Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time for Let's Talk Real Estate, your weekly BS with Barry Saywitz about the current commercial real estate market here in Southern California as we take a no BS look at both sides of the issues driving the market today to find the best solutions going forward with the man. Well, he's got all the solutions this morning. I don't know how he finds them, but Barry Saywitz. Hey, Paul. Uh, we're back here again. I'm Barry Saywitz, president of the Saywitz Company and managing partner of Barry Saywitz. Uh, properties. And if there's one thing I've learned in my 30 plus years of experience is that if you don't have the answers, try to make them up as best you can and maybe somebody will believe you. But so as Paul mentioned, I have been out scouring, looking for things that we can talk about uh, relating to real estate. And there's no shortage of that uh, in the world today. Um, before we get going, I do want to do a couple of shout outs. Number one to the Los Angeles Rams. Congratulations on winning the Super Bowl. And um, uh, Stan Kroenke, uh, if you build it, they will come, and then they'll take the trophy home with them as well. Uh, what a great story. For those folks who came out from Cincinnati, at least they got some very good weather. <laughs> Secondly, I'd like to give uh, a shout-out to all the people out there who celebrated Valentine's Day yesterday uh, with your wives, your sweetheart, your girlfriend, uh, your partner, whatever you want to do, to my girlfriend. Happy post-Valentine's Day and to everybody else out there as well. So let's get to it. Let's talk real estate. Uh, today's topic is corporate relocation, and no one better to have on the show than Corey Yudkoff, uh, principal uh, managing partner with corporate relocation strategies here in Orange County and uh, around the country. Corey, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Barry, for having me. Yeah, so uh, you had a long drive from down the street, as did I, but at the same time, your business takes you to uh, all ends of the country and potentially beyond. For those people, uh, our viewers and our listeners out there who are not familiar with corporate relocation strategies, you're better to give an explanation of it than I am. But I, I do know that you assist in um, corporate relocation for small, medium, and large-sized businesses in analyzing what they're doing with their corporate moves uh, and facilities. True? Absolutely. And the analogy I like to give is we are the wedding planner to corporate relocations. We're not the florist. We're not the caterer. We're not the mover. We're not the furniture vendor or the racking vendor, we just project manage the relocations. You know, a lot goes in, as you know, uh, and, and so do I, a lot goes into corporate relocation. If you're thinking about moving, if you're thinking about downsizing or expanding or whatever the case might be, you've got a plan ahead. And if you don't, you really got some issues uh, and challenges that you're faced with. And so uh, from our business at the Saywitz Company, we do corporate uh, brokerage on the tenant and user side, and in many instances bring in uh, a corporate relocation strategist, if you will, uh, either as part of our team or the client will just bring them in to help with the planning. Because at the same time, the, to have somebody internally is not a position that a company typically would maintain on their staff. And a corporate move, especially a complex one, is not something you do every day. It's exactly right. And we like to say, even if it's an office tenant who is relocating, if it's 25 to 50 people, it's going to take someone internally 200 hours to do this the right way, and that's in addition to their day-to-day -day job. Yeah, and uh, when you start to get into it, if it's things that you haven't done before, even the little stuff like phones and cabling and furniture, especially in today's world where you have long lead times for things, you really get yourself in a pinch from a timing standpoint in addition to just the man hours to get it done. That's absolutely right. I mean, if to really plan this out, you should be involved in it. You know, just like if, if you're talking to a, you know, a tenant who's looking for space, you need to look at it 18 months in advance. I'm not quite that 
far in advance than I need to be. But right when they start looking at their real estate options, that's when they should engage a company like mine to really help them make the right decisions. Yeah, and I think what we see a lot on our end is the fallacy of, I will wait to bring in the people to help me move until I have a place to move to. It's the chicken and the egg kind of a thing. And you get yourself in trouble because then you want to move and you've left yourself very little time. Especially with the delays and you know, in logistics in terms of getting things set up today, whether it's furniture purchases, you know, uh, racking, shelving, or whatever it is, heavy equipment, whatever it is to bring it is, you, you know, there is. It's taken a lot longer than it did ten years ago. Yeah, and a lot more expensive too. And your company provides what I'll call soup to nuts type of services. Sometimes it's just the soup. Sometimes it's just the nuts or the whole ball of wax. Right. That's absolutely right. I mean, whatever a client's needs are that's where we can really add value and help them out. And it is sort of an all la carte. It could be everything from the very beginning to help them with space planning, laying out the facility, the construction management, all the way to the decommissioning of their old space so they're not gonna be into a holdover situation and they get their security deposit back. Yeah, so I mean, regardless of the size of the company, um, the issue is if I'm moving, I've gotta not only find a building, fit it up and get it to where I want it to be able to use it right. Then I got to move in there and then I got to get my stuff out of the old building. It's really a multi-phased kind of a thing. What I like to say is the physical move is the last 10%. It's the 90%, the logistics of setting everything up, the schedules, bringing in, doing the RFPs and bringing in the vendors. That's the 90%. And that's really the heavy lifting. The last 10%, the move itself is... Yeah, that's easy. So, so let's break it down a little bit. And, and you guys, uh, as do we, uh, do work in all different aspects of uh, the market, whether it's office space, whether it's industrial space, manufacturing space, healthcare, you name it. I mean, I guess the issue is you, it, it's the same concept. You got to move <laughs> different uh, dynamics of how that goes into play. Um, is there a difference then between, uh, let's just call it the office, the industrial, and the manufacturing, kind of the three main things? Uh, I would say... Uh, there's definitely a difference between the office and then industrial and manufacturing warehouse space. Because when you're really looking at the warehouse space, the industrial, you really need to look at it, it, you know, what is the high, how high can we go on the ceiling heights today? You know, how high can we put our, you know, our pallet racking? What is the, um, what is the sprinkler system set up? Is there enough power in the building? How is it laid out? Is there enough docks? And sort of really doing a lot of due diligence prior to making that decision on that space. When it comes to office, it's really, you know, yes, there may be some, you know, columns in the way and power point where you're getting the power from if you're doing workstations and stuff like that. But it's so there is really um, a difference between those two uh, asset classes, let's say. Yeah. And what, and what we tell folks and clients on our end is you got to know what you're looking for before you go out in the market and start looking. It is a chicken and the egg. Some people go and they say, hey, I just want to go find a building. And they don't even know the pieces that need to go inside the building. And then they just like the look of the outside of the building. Go, that's the one I want. And have no clue what it takes to get it to where they they want it. You're absolutely right. I mean, as we were discussing, I think last week when we talked, told you the story where we were working with a manufacturer of foam products up in, you know, North L.A. County. And they looked at the location and they were, it's going to be a lease situation with a five-year lease and a five-year option. And at the end of the day, we looked at it and said, you know, you're going to have to spend $150,000 and a tremendous amount of time to bring the power up to what your needs are. You're going to have to bring the sprinkler system because it's got to be upgraded. That's another $350,000. So you're putting a $500,000 investment into a building that you're only going to be occupying for five to 10 years. And really sort of, you know, and is that the right decision? 
as it turned out, there was other options. So they did find another option where, which was a little more expensive up front on the lease rate. But if they amortized the hundred, the fifty thousand, the five hundred thousand dollars over the term of the lease, it was going to be bring sure, it in par with the other space. Yeah, uh, and in today's world, the the real estate market, especially on the industrial and the manufacturing side, uh, all over the country, particularly here in Southern California, is extremely tight. So the problem is, if you rewound to the uh, to when the market was not so tight, you had options. So you could go look at five or ten buildings. You could find two or three you liked, and then you have some time to compare those options and what their amenities were and what a landlord might be offering in a lease. In today's world, you don't have that luxury, so you have to be prepared as a company. So if you're a CEO out there, if you're a principal of a business, you've got to go, in in my opinion, load your gun before you get ready. Because when you get out there, you will not have a long time to react to make decisions. And if you don't have the information that you need, it's a problem. Absolutely, and that's why we are part of a team, upfront team with the brokers, like the Barry Saywich companies, where we can be, you know, help 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 them make the right decisions, not only on lease rates and all that, because that's not our sandbox, that's the brokers, but really looking is this building the right building for you, and being upfront because it is such a tight market that you do have to be really, really on top of your game and understand and make those and have that information available to you right away so the broker can make the right decision because there's 10 other people 10 other companies looking at the same building at the same time right behind you yeah and and lease rate or cost of the building is a function of what it's going to cost me to get in the building so how could i as a business owner make an intelligent uh business decision without having the other pieces that go into it right other than emotion which it's a business if it was emotion you'd be buying a house right so (laughs) and that's why i didn't get into residential real estate right let's talk a little bit so i i know you guys do stuff all over the country and so you have companies that are not only moving to southern california from other places uh but also fleeing southern california to get out of here and, and go to other places um, and, and how does that work uh, relative to your services uh, when you're dealing with companies and in, in looking at multiple sp- uh, states? So, sure. I mean, uh, we have companies that are moving across town, out of town, into the into California, Los Angeles, Orange County, and then also ones who are looking at and looking as the as the pasture greener somewhere else in another state. And so we can assist them on that from looking at what the costs are going to be to get to, you know, to get your manufacturing or office or whatever from point A to point B. And, you know, the only thing that I would advise companies when we're talking to them is really, you know, yes, there's opportunities. There could be some money savings with taxes are gonna be lower. You can get some incentives from the cities. Talk to the cities before you make a decision on your and commit to a space because otherwise you've lost leverage if you're doing that. But also you need to look at what their labor pool is like in that market too. Most of the markets that where we are talking to companies who are thinking about moving are where everybody's talking about. They're talking about Tennessee. They're talking about Austin, Texas. They're talking about Dallas. They're talking about wherever it may be. Who is your competition for your labor? And is you know is AMX there? Is Amazon there? Is FedEx there? We just talked to a client who was thinking about moving to Tennessee, and just through you know just through our due diligence, we said you know FedEx just built a million square feet of distribution space. So that means that they're gonna you're gonna be competing with them for the forklift driver. They're gonna pay their forklift drivers because it is such a tight labor market across the country that they're gonna pay them twenty five dollars an hour 
with benefits versus what you were paying out here, $17 an hour or whatever, maybe with not so many good benefits. Yeah. Who, would have, who would a forklift driver or whoever really want to go work for, FedEx or your small manufacturing facility? Right, and then the issue is, too, is if you have technical positions, and even in addition to forklift drivers and warehouse people, uh, you could go and nothing against the state of Mississippi, but they'll give you the land to build a building, and they'll make a great deal with all these, all these incentives. But you have to live there, and then you need to find good labor, stable labor, uh, to be able to do it. And then that's that's part of the other issue, I think. You're absolutely right. And it's a quality of life also. I mean, we were out here looking at the Super Bowl, and we looked at the weather, and we said, this is gorgeous. This is why we live out here for the most part. And the interesting thing is there are a lot of – we always hear about the people who – companies who are moving out to Texas. And I did read an article recently that said – you know, within five years, a big percentage of those people, individuals who moved out to Texas for that they thought was going to be a better life, have moved back into Southern California. Yeah, and that's also a function of, I guess, tax structure here uh, and uh, who's running the show and, and what ebbs and flows come from that. But we won't get political on this show. We're going to stick to the real estate stuff. And, and so when you do have companies that are looking at different states, I, I assume some percentage of them say, hey, I'm out of here. Uh, find me another state. And others say, hey, I'm already here in Southern California. What would be better or how do I compare what I have here currently against going to other places. And you guys help do that too, right? We do help that. And a lot of companies at the end of the day say, you know what, this is a great place for the executives to leave, live. So let's open up another facility, you know, but keep our main office headquarters here or whatever it is, but open up other facilities. And they also have to look at what type of business they're in. If they're a, distribu a distributor, then they want to be on both ends of the coast or in the middle of the country too, just because it will lower their lead times and also some of their costs to get it out to their end users. Yeah, and and I'm guessing some companies that have the principals that live here in Southern California and Orange County in particular, they want to be close to the business, and so they may just pay the premium to stay here and, and deal with the challenges and the issues that California has and say, well, that's, that's how it goes. Right, and a lot of what we have seen over the last five years is a flight from Orange County, the manufacturing, to the Inland Empire, yeah. but the companies are still keeping their headquarters near you know where the principals yeah. live because they want to have their office in orange county but they understand that the you know there's more opportunities for industrial manufacturing or warehouse space in the inland empire yeah no question and we've seen that as well and what's interesting is and we've talked about it on other shows is now you've seen prices for buildings for industrial buildings <laughs> and rental rates uh, go up to the fact uh, that they're almost the same as orange county so it used to be a big savings and then you would drive out there now it's just an issue of like i can't find it here so i have to go further east or i have no options Whoever would have thought that you would see a, you know, a building, an office building, two-story building down in South Orange County built 10, 15 years ago be torn down to make room for a million, uh, you know, 100,000 square foot industrial warehouse. Yeah, craziness. <laughs> Ab absolute craziness. And, and who would have thought, you know, you go back and rewind to 2008, 9, 10 in the recession where we were making deals on the brokerage side for clients of ours. They could lease space for 25, 30 cents a square foot. Uh, for warehouse space out in the Inland Empire, and now you're talking about rates at a dollar, right? I mean, it's three times that. Where does that go, uh, I guess, is a question that remains to be seen. But part of the issue that has come up on other topics of conversation and, and we're dealing with every day is inflation. And, and what does that do to a company's mindset when they're just looking at the overall picture? I read an article this morning uh, in uh, Inflation. For the month of January of 2022 in uh, Southern California was 7.5%, up from 7.1%, highest uh, monthly inflation rate since 1982. 
And so that's got to tell you something about what's going on. When you're dealing with uh, customers and clients and they're looking at it, and this is a recent thing here, but is that come up with uh, cost of living and back to wages and, and just cost of making products? The inflationary rate increase has, is across the nation has gone up, maybe not to the point that it has in Orange County or Southern California. But, you know, the, the interesting thing is people are able to charge more for their products now. And people are raising rates, whether you go to a restaurant and you're paying more because, you know, of the inflation, the cost of, you know, the cost of labor, the cost of food costs and everything else. But there was also with this COVID window, there was opportunities for people now coming out of it where they're increasing their wages and increasing their rates and increasing their prices. And so that's what's causing the inflation also. But everything else, the cost of goods has gone up. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't want to prognosticate and, and become an economist, but the fact of the matter is, all of these increases in prices across the board, whether it's supply increases, real estate increases, they eventually just make it back to the consumer at the end of the day, right? My cup of coffee or my mocha at Starbucks, which used to be $4, is now $6. My gallon of gas, which used to be $4, is now $5 and something uh, here in Southern California. And so the consumer at the end of the day is paying for it. Uh, and uh, the, the increase in the cost of the real estate just gets passed around, I think, at the end of the day. Um, the other big issue and challenge that we see on our end and I, I gather you must see as well is just supply chain issues when you go to build the facility you find the facility hey we found a great building we made a decent deal and i get excited and now i can't even find the stuff to build what i need are you seeing that as well we're seeing that as well even in the tenant improvement world of yeah. you know, in the office asset class when tenants are negotiating a deal or whatever and they you know there's a long, longer lead time and it is more expensive um, you know, to negotiate a deal, as you know, whether it's you're asking the landlord for additional TIs because, or they're going to do the work, they're factoring that all in to what the effective rate's going to be at the end of the day for the tenant. But there is a lot of lead time, and it's, you can't wait to the last minute, you know, to start looking for your real estate needs, which I think in the past people have said, oh, well, I've got 60 days. Yeah. yeah. Now it's like, uh, I need 12 months. Yeah. And, and, and it's interesting because we tell, that's probably the biggest thing we tell people all the time is you don't have time. You need to start early. And uh, even if you're just preparing yourself for what's going on, because you'll have to react to the ebbs and flows of the various aspects of, of your move. The worst thing I think a company could do is th- they uh, negotiate for a specific target start date of their lease or their move without knowing for sure that they can get the things that they need to get in there. And then they wind up having delays and then you're paying on real estate that you can't even move into. And maybe you're stuck into a holdover situation also where you're yeah. paying one and a half times what your rate was. Yeah. So tip, uh, real estate 101 tip for anybody negotiating <laughs> a lease out there for today. Uh, either put the onus of the start date on the landlord, not yourself, or leave yourself some wiggle room that says if I can't get stuff uh, and I can't get moved in, then my lease doesn't start and I don't start paying until I can actually get in there. Easier said than done, but definitely something that should be incorporated and really prevalent in today's market. And the other thing we're also seeing is that landlords are being a little more flexible if you're moving into their building that, hey, we have some temporary space, even if there is a delay because of the tenant improvements, 
you know, we'll offset that and help you out in the temporary space in our building. Yeah. To me, it's across the board. I mean, here's a real world example. We're remodeling our building and we went to go remodel the women's restroom. And in the middle of the job, the whole tile crew got COVID. And so they were gone for, you know, 10 days and couldn't come back to finish. And so we had to put the women in the men's room and then the men had to go into the small room down the hall and do what they needed to do. Um, But these are simple things that that's not such a supply issue as it is just a delay. But then you have issues of, hey, I ordered lights or I ordered wood or whatever the case is. And it's just it's either on that boat out in the ocean that you either see or don't see or it's in Mexico hanging out waiting to come in. It's a problem. Or we're still tra- catching up from even the manufacturing being done in the United States when people were closed down because of COVID and yeah. couldn't operate 24 hours a day or whatever it is. So there's the delay on that. And there's also the cost associated with because of the raw materials. I definitely agree with you. And uh, I guess um, I'm curious as to your perception uh, of whether that start, has started to get better, whether you think it's going to get better, or you just seeing more of the same? Um, I think it is starting to get better. I think that uh, the delays are maybe not as long as they were, you know, in the, at the top of COVID with the, you know, if you look outside our, you know, if you look out in the ocean right now off of the por- off of the beach, you're not seeing as many, you know, container ships out there. So and, that's the good news. <laughs> and, and, and the question becomes whether those ships are hiding uh, so we don't see them uh, or whether it's really gotten better. I don't know the answer to that one. I will tell you I flew over uh, the bay in San Francisco, uh, and I must have seen 100-plus ships uh, just hanging all out in there. And so it didn't look like there was any better up there. Uh, who knows? I guess the proof's in the pudding. We'll see. So the other thing I want to talk to you about is um, with people coming back to offices, coming back to work, how does that affect companies and how are they looking at uh, incorporating a sort of post-COVID phase of either redesigning their office or needing more space, less space, different space, uh, efficient space? Uh, How does that come into play? Well, we are seeing the trend and before Omicron came in, I think a lot of companies were looking at bringing their their employees back to the office on a hybrid model or whatever it was, you know, in the first quarter of this year. Um, That got delayed with Omicron. Last week, at the beginning of February, 33% of the workers are back in the office That uh, from an article I just read. Microsoft is going to start bringing their employees back at the end of this month, I just read, from the Wall Street Journal, I think, today. It is being different. When I started in real estate, and I've had my broker's license for 30-plus years, and I don't do any transactions anymore because I don't want to compete with you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you. <laughs> but, you know, we used to always allocate in an office environment that you would allocate 200 to 250 square feet per person in the office. Sure, sure. Over the years before COVID, that was skewing way down to, you know, you take some to some of these co-working spaces where there's maybe 100, 135 square foot per head. Yeah. That's not going to fly anymore. So, you know, it is being reconfigured. We are offering, you know, we are seeing a layouts to be more open office, more um, more space per person, maybe some hoteling where everyone doesn't have a designated office or desk, but they just come in and what's av- available and more collaboration space. So the, the interesting thing is, you know, companies do want their employees back to the office. Employees sort of half and half whether they want to come back or not but i think what's going to happen at the end of the day is that we're going to offer some the companies are going to offer a hybrid and they're going to have to offer a hybrid where they are allowing their team to work remotely one or two days a week and just because they need to retain and to attract new talent that way and that's what everyone else is going to be doing 
So, you know, getting back to what you're saying is the space is only going to be occupied if they're working remotely one day a week, 20% less. So do they need 20% less square footage? If you start looking at you need more space per head now, then it's going to sort of offset that. The one thing I would say is if you are going to go to a remote workforce, you know, on a hybrid, is make sure that you bring your department in on the same days. Otherwise, it defeats itself. It defeats itself. If half of the marketing department is working remotely on that Tuesday and the other half is in the office, you're not getting the synergy. You're not getting the brainstorming. You're not getting the socializing of that department. And the young workforce are not getting the mentorship. So if a company does go to a hybrid model, make sure you bring your departments in on the same days. And most companies realize that, you know what, we're not going to let the people work remotely on a Monday or a Friday because productivity is going to go way down. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how that goes, whether companies look to move sideways into different, more reconfigured or modern space, or or whether they just stick it out where they're at and the landlord cuts them a better deal. And economically, they just say, hey, we're going to stay where we're at. Uh, And I think as we go forward, it it really remains to be seen. Each company is going to have to make their own decisions based on their own set of circumstances and, and their industry. Uh, certain industries, as uh, far as for real estate, where you need that collaborative effort and you need that interaction, uh, we have to have our people in the office. We can't do it remotely. Uh, others, maybe uh, not so much. Right. If you're a tax accountant, if you're an engineer, you don't need that. That's not your makeup, your personality. You can work remote You know, five days a week, six days a week. The interesting thing, I just read, I just saw something, that most employees actually are... Their productivity is higher working remotely, but their supervisors do not believe it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's no one there to verify <laughs> it, right? That you just you could tell them I was working, but who knows? The proof's in the pudding. My my son my son is pretty new to the workforce in commercial real estate as an asset manager, you know, analytics and the whole thing, and up in Argus, which is a property management underwriting software that Barry you know about. But I told him, I said, and it's a small firm, I said, when your principal starts getting in the office, you get your butt in that office every single day that they're there because you want that FaceTime and you want them to see that you're working and you're going to get opportunities and you're going to get that mentorship that you wouldn't get off of Zoom. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear it. We've just got a quick minute left. You and I could, uh, you know, talk uh, all day back and forth and uh, and chew up a bunch of time. But uh, on a final note, in, in terms of um, what CEOs, principals, business owners out there uh, who have a lease coming up, who are looking at a move or reevaluating themselves, um, what's the one single thing, if there was one, uh, for them to really consider or be mindful of as they start the process? Time and money because um, you know it's really as we said is it's going to take a lot longer for to find the space and to really get it laid out or if you're making new furniture procurements or if you're need new racking layouts or you need you know s southern california edison to come in and bring more power into your building you need a lot more time than you think you really do yeah and i would just add to that surround yourself with experts like Corey, like uh, ourselves, and, and make sure that you make sound business decisions and that you have the information uh, at your disposable uh, at disposal to do that. Um, so get educated, start early, uh, and get some good help. I think those are all good tips for folks out there. Um, we are out of time today, uh, but I, I do appreciate all your input and insight and uh, wish you and your family and your company uh, all the best in the coming year. Thanks for coming on, Corey. Well, thank you, Barry, for having me. It was a lot of fun. And uh, let's uh, just uh, hope everyone stays safe and, uh, and, and healthy.
Yeah, and I say kudos to our uh, governor. Uh, the uh, mask mandates is supposedly over today. I'm going to go test that out when we're done here, see where I can run around without my mask, and we'll see how that affects uh, the workforce and the real world and the implications of it. So uh, for uh, myself, I want to thank uh, Paul Roberts and the whole team here at uh, OC Talk Radio, our producer, Sophia, and everyone who helps to make our show on a weekly basis happen. Uh, thank you for all your efforts. Uh, I am Barry Saywitz, president of the Saywitz Company and managing partner of Barry Saywitz Properties. Uh, we will see you here next time on Let's Talk Real Estate. Well, we'll see you here back again next week. Thanks for listening. have it you've been listening to let's talk real estate your weekly bs with barry saywitz about the current state of the real commercial real estate market right here in southern california on orange county's only community radio station oc talk radio streaming live from our studio here at the university of california irvine's beal applied innovation center